What's going on, man? It's your boy, Jay Holly, and we are back for another episode of Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, episode 44. If we put in, in that work, nobody works harder than us here at Unfiltered, man. We really about that life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are far too kind. You could have been anywhere in the world, but I am so glad that you are here with me. I am Jesse Holly, the sports talk equivalent of Braille. People feel me. When I speak, you guys know what you got to do. Like, subscribe, hit the notification button, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Do it all, man. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Find three episodes that you like. Listen to them for at least 15 minutes. By the time you see this episode, it'll be 44 of them out there. Go listen to them, man. Fall in love with me. Enjoy me. Love me. Uh, and, and just uh, take me in. Uh, you know, this. this is... This is this is what we want to do. You know, I like to get down. I like to get my motivation in the beginning because let's be honest, a lot of you will not be here at the end. But still, find those episodes first. Listen to at least three of them and uh, allow this thing to, to to seep into your life, in your pores, in your in your being. I promise you, you will not be disappointed if you do so. All right, man. So here's what I got. It's 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 an um, it requires a little bit of action. That could be a word right there, but it's not what I'm saying. My word of the day is take back what's yours. Take back what's yours. A lot of us through life allow life and life circumstances to take from us. And, and not to get biblical and not to get into the, the spiritual realm of this, but the enemy uh has been sent to steal, kill, and destroy. You, mine, ours, our hopes, our dreams, our relationships, our children, our families, our ideas, our courage. We gotta go take back what belongs to us. We 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 have to we have to get up off our tails, get up off our butts and say, that belongs to me. That happiness, that belongs to me. This peace of mind, that belongs to me. This joy, that belongs to me. This business, that belongs, this degree, this job, those children, though they belong to me. I, I'm gonna go take them back from the streets. I'm gonna go take them back from drugs. I'm gonna go take them back from vaping or nicotine or whatever that is. Whatever you feel like you've lost because life just be life. And if we're being honest, life just life sometimes. It just happens and it gets on us and it, it steals some of the things from us. It takes away, it destroys, it corrupts. Uh, 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 it, it, it does its very best to dominate us. Heading into this new year, 2024, now's the time. Start gearing up. Start getting yourself in condition. Start getting yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually strong. That when you head into this new year, we're going to take back what's ours. We're going to get back what's ours. That relationship, go go get that. That, that job, go get that. Those things that you've been talking about, wanting, go get that. This 2020, 20, 2024 is going to be the year of get back. Let's go back out there and take back. That's ours. That's yours. That's mine. We're going to get back all the things that we have lost in 2023. That's fine. And, and now, mind you, some of those things need to stay lost. <laughs> some of them do. But those that you feel that, that you deserve, those that you feel belong to you, 2024, we are going to take back 
what's ours. So start gearing yourself. Do whatever it is that you have to do to get yourself, your mind right, your body right, your spirit right, your motivation right, your feet right, your head right, everything to head in the direction of going to get what is yours. Go take back what's yours. All right, let's jump into this thing, man. The Cowboys defeat the Eagles 33-13. They went and took back what's theirs. They're right now. It'll change, but right now we currently sit the Dallas Cowboys are first in the NFC East, and what a dominating game. That game to me, here is the highlight of the game for me. This is the highlight of the game for me. To quote a great philosopher, one of the greatest philosophers of our generation, Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin, and the many things that he said, one of the greatest quotes that that philosopher said was, you beat a man by attacking his weakness. You will break a man by attacking his strengths. And what I took from that game, what I, what I took from that situation was, we knew that we can go out and pass the ball on that secondary. I told you guys this last week. That secondary was trash. That secondary was toast. I told you guys it was toast. It will always be toast. They're not a good secondary. But where the Eagles kind of really hang their hat, where they really say, here's where we're going to be the better man than you. Here's where we're really going to put our money and our resources at is in the trenches. That we're going to be stout, we're going to be strong, we're going to be physical. We got Fletcher Cox, we got Jordan, uh, uh, Jordan Davis, we got Jalen Carter, we got uh, Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham and uh, Hassan Reddick, and we're going to be stout. Of course, Shaq Leonard went there, signed there a couple weeks ago. He played a few snaps. But Philadelphia has long said what we're going to be in the trenches we're going to be a physical football team. We're going to be a team that is absolutely monstrous in the middle. And you're not going to be able to do anything with that. When we played the Cowboys, when the Cowboys played Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago, coming into that game, the Philadelphia Eagles were only averaging giving up 65 yards a game, rushing. I mean, they were. They were. But the Cowboys came out in this game, and when I say they made a statement to me, they made a statement. They said, not only are we going to beat you, not only are we, going, are we not going to just beat you, we're going to beat you bad. Not only are we not going to beat you and just beat you bad, but we're going to beat you in ways that you can't do nothing about it. I think this was a planting of the seeds in the minds of Philadelphia. Because if, if, if the Super Bowl is the goal, if headed to Vegas in February is the goal, you're most likely probably going to have to beat Philadelphia one more time. And I think this was one of those things where they said, we're going to, we're going to leave such uh, um, a mark on this game that when we get back to playing you guys again, in the back of your mind, you're going to have to question yourself. You're going to have to say, can we actually defeat this team? Because the first game that you guys won, it was a lot of the Cowboys. Yes, there was some, some things that you did as a team offensively and defensively to give yourself that victory the first time around. The Cowboys left no doubt. They left no doubt in this football game to the tune of offensively the Philadelphia Eagles didn't even score an offensive touchdown. They had the fumble that, that, that they caused and, and, and Big Carter ran it in for a touchdown. Other than that, they had two field goals. 
They had two field goals. This is a top five team who scores the ball in the red zone in the Philadelphia Eagles. But I love the fact that the Cowboys rushed the ball in total for 32 carries for 138 yards, 4.3 yards of carry, and a touchdown. When they needed to run the ball, they ran it. When they wanted to run the ball, they ran it. And when you talk about and get your mind ready for playoff football, you're going to have to be able to run the football. And no, it may not, it may not equate to you having a single rusher have 125 yards, 150 yards. You might. That's great if you do. But it's going to be in those critical moments, can I run the football? In those must-have moments, do I have enough juice to run the football? And when you have a team in the Philadelphia Eagles who pride themselves on being um, alpha males, dominant alpha males up front in the trenches, games that won a loss in the trenches, and you're able to move those mountains to give yourself an opportunity to go out there and really, really, really leave your mark. I think the Cowboys did that. I think the Cowboys did that in the rushing game where they were able to say, we're going to run it when we want, how we want, where we want. And honestly, nothing you can do about it. And I love that. I love the fact when you have good on good. I love the fact when you just got just two Teams of alpha males that ready to just thud up with one another, man. And, and it is an all-out physical bash. And the Cowboys, who I don't think is overall technically a physical football team. I think they have some physical components. I think they have a player or two that is physical. But overall, this, this, this was a dominating team win. Dak Prescott, after this win, I think, has catapulted himself as being the lead dog in the MVP race. We'll get more into that in the show about the MVP rankings. But I think Dak Prescott finds himself kind of captaining that MVP ship right now. I do. I, I, I really do. Um, I, I just kept shaking my head throughout the night. Every time Jake Ferguson, what, 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 a, what a year Jake Ferguson is having. And the thing that Jake Ferguson is doing to me. And this, whether you want to believe it or not, he is bringing a level of value that does not have to do with anything he does play-wise. Jake Ferguson has brought to this offense an attitude. You know, Dak is a quarterback. He'll have his moments. He says all the right things in the media. He's clean-cut. He's not edgy, not arrogant. He'll give you a cuss word every now and again. Tony Pollard, man a few words. CeeDee Lamb, kind of more stylistic, uh, stylish type of player. The offensive line, a lot of guys, they don't have they don't have any attitude guys up front. Tyron and you know, Tyler Smith, he's a physical dude, but when the last time you heard Tyler, Tyler Smith say something? Just run through your memory bank. You haven't. <laughs> I think Jake Ferguson gives them attitude. He gives them the Jeremy Shockey, right? Remember Jeremy Shockey from the Giants back in the day? Just that attitude. He gives them that presence where even in the game, there was a moment when he hurtled over the dude and they're, they're kind of having a conversation on the sideline and the ref had to come over there and go, okay, hold, simmer down, my boy. Simmer down. You're a little bit, but, but, but Jake Ferguson, and that's value. 
in addition to what he's doing as a player, led the team in receptions, five catches, 72 yards, uh, along of 32 on eight targets. But the value of him is that when he steps on the field, he steps out with a level of aggression, a level of attitude, a level of, uh, of just, I, I am the dog. I'm a dog out here in the field. And people follow that. That is tangible. That is infectious. Is that when you know you got a player out there where he's going to hurdle a dude, he's going to run a dude over, knocked out Reed Blankenship. He thought he, Reed thought he was going to be able to just load a boom on Ferg. Ferg said, uh-uh, you out concussion protocol. And I love, I love that energy. I love that energy. It's necessary. He gives off the arrogant energy of we nice. Y'all know how I feel about I'm nice. Y'all know how I feel about I'm that, that right there, that resonates with me. And Jake Ferguson is bringing that attitude for the, what is it called now? I'm not, I'm not a big wrestling fan right now, but what they call the attitude era, that's like the new term. I don't know if that's this era or one right before this one, but it was like the attitude. Like Jake Ferguson brings the attitude area. Jake Ferguson would have been down with the NWO. Like he would have been with... Nash and Razor Ramon and Hollywood Hogan and the one, two, three kid. Like he would have been in that group, that, 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 that group, that NWO group sting. Like he has that attitude. He has that bravado, that arrogance that you need. You need that on a football team. You, you need a couple of them dogs on a team. And I think Jake Ferguson gives this football team that sort of edge. Um, Right there. But this was a statement game. This this game, you know, coming into the week, Mike McCarthy had the emergency um, appendix surgery. And, and, and people were trying to build narratives around that. Like, this is the motivation that the Cowboys need. Was win one for the Gipper. It, he didn't die. He, 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 he got a root canal. Like, okay, great. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't a crazy surgery that, you know, like, he's, he's coaching. Yeah, you can coach after. Like, there's really good drugs in the National Football League. It's really, really good drugs that they can give him for pain. But there was there, – th- this was one of those games, and I can say as a, as a former player and as someone who's covered this team for a very long time, these type of games where the Cowboys are looking at and saying, well, good on good, here's a moment for us to show the world that we're actually as good as we think we are, we're actually as good as, as people don't want to believe that we are. And I've watched this team for years getting mo- get into moments like this where they can go out there and really solidify themselves as a Super Bowl contender, as a national contender, as one of the best teams in the National Football League and falter. They didn't do that this Sunday. Primetime TV, the world was watching. They re- remember back in Wild Thing when, when Pedro Serrano, when he hit the home run and he's going down first base and he looks over to the dugout. You mean Major League, right? Major League, what I call it? Wild Thing is, is the pitcher. Um, but Major League. Um, He's going down the first bait line. He looks to the he looks to the dugout, and I forgot the Chinese dude's name. But he points back to him. They point back to other, and he just goes. He does the. You saw Sam Caselli to do that. It's it's I got I got big Kahunas. I'm dropping these Kahunas right now, 
and and this is the type of game of the Cowboys where they drop they drop their kahunas. They they drop their for, excuse my French for those that are watching uh, Auntie Cassandra and Mama Glow and and, and Rev Turner uh, and, and Brother Ed and for all my other uh, folks that really love me. Cover your ears. They dropped their nuts. They dropped their nuts. And it was a it was a nut drop pause. It was a nut dropping moment. Big nuts. Big walnuts. They dropped. And it was, yeah, y'all said that we only beat up on the bad teams. Y'all say we only beat up on the Carolinas of the world, the Giants of the world, the Washingtons of the worlds, that we only take out those teams by 20-plus points and say, oh, okay, well, Seattle came to town and we kind of had a back and forth with Seattle. See, y'all, look, they, when, they, when they have a team that's equal to or greater than them, then it's kind of like, uh. And this was the test. This was, this was, another, this was one of the other tests that you had during the season. You got a bad grade against the Niners. Everybody has a bad rate against the Niners for the most part when they're healthy and whole. But this was a moment where it was put up or shut up. This was the game. This was the, uh, this would have been the game of the year. This up to this point, this is the biggest game. And you dropped your nuts. You 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 evolved. You became a man. Right? This this goes back to the Uncle Ronnie story Uncle Ronnie story. Where you where you didn't turn your shoulder. And you let the Eagles know, I, yeah, listen, y'all, y'all skated with a victory at home. We cooked y'all here by 20, and you didn't score an offensive touchdown. Like, that's a, that's a, that's a nut-dropping moment right there. Pause. That, that, that's a moment that, is, that can carry you. And the Cowboys finally showed up. And, 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 and for me, that tells me if the 49ers didn't exist, just being honest with y'all. If the 49ers did not exist, Cowboys are the best team in football right now. No, 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 no two ways about that. If the 49ers did not exist, the Cowboys are hands down best football team in the league. They have what you want. They have what you need. They got stars. They have star players. They have good players. They have a system. They have a scheme. They have great coaching. They have special teams. Shout out to Brandon Aubrey. Huh. That might be your rookie of the year. Might be your rookie of the year. Probably not, though. Probably not. I'm, I'm, I'm bugging. I, I know they're going to give it to somebody who's way more special. They, they don't give it to, like, Bijan or somebody like that, and even though he's not really having the best of years. But Brandon Aubrey. Come on. First player in NFL history to hit two field goals in, in, in one game of 59 yards or more. I didn't even know that was a stat. I'm going to be honest with you. That's not, that's not, I didn't know that was a stat. Sometimes I wonder where they get these stats from. I'm like, wait, what? Like, how do y'all find that stat? But it's a stat nonetheless. We can make stats whatever we want. We can say, hey, this person was the only player in NFL history. Like, okay, for example. I'm the only player in NFL history to run 77 yards and get caught at the one-yard line on the right-hand side in Candlestick Park by a guy who was a first. See, I can, make this, I can make this stat up. I can make it whatever I wanted to make it. I can, be the, you can, I can make whatever stat I want to be stat the only player in NFL history. 
I'm the only player in NFL history to catch a 77-yard pass to get tackled at the one-yard line by a guy who was a former first-round pick who ran a 4-3. See? How, see how I did that? That's how they pull some of these stats sometimes. They just they do it in every sport. Like, oh, this is the, in the NBA, this is the only player in NBA history to make three three-pointers in a minute and 33 seconds in the third quarter while on the road wearing white sneakers. It's true, but they made the stat up. So, but Brandon Aubrey, shout out to him. What just shout out to Bones Fossil for finding Brandon Aubrey. That was a big thing in training camp. It was like, oh, who's gonna be the kicker this year? Then all of a sudden, he was like, yo, I'm cutting everybody except Brandon Aubrey. We're going forward with him. Had him missed a field goal all year. A couple extra points, field goals. They call him butter. He's been money. He's been money all year long. And that's that's huge. That's huge because when you get in these playoffs, you're not going to have these 40-point blowouts, especially when the Cowboys have to go on the road. If they don't win the division and they're a wild-card seed, they're on the road. They're going to be on the road. They're going to be some traveling folks. While at home they average 40 points a game, and on the road they average 24. So there's going to be some field goals that need to be made in some critical moments in teams, averse teams on the road. With probably some conditions. If you look at it, well, maybe I mean, you got you got to travel to Philly. Got to deal with some conditions in January. You just are. You know, uh, if you got to travel to to to, to Santa Clara, you, you're gonna be straight. And if you got to play, you know, first round game is gonna be a dome. It's either gonna be New Orleans or Atlanta. So you have to worry about nothing there. Dome team there. Detroit's a dome team. You got to play them. So a game like Philly, wind, rain, cold. See, I don't understand what that ball is. That football, when it get cold outside, man, that leather, that leather gets ridiculously. Let me say pause. Hard. That leather gets hard to kick, to catch, to do anything. But Brandon Arby, man, has been lights out for this football team. My another game ball for me goes to. The old man. <laughs> the old man, Stephon Gilmore, they realized in this game, and it, it kind of started last week, he traveled in the second half of that game against DJ, DK Metcalf. They came into this game and was like, yep, you're going to have to travel with A.J. Brown. And that's just what it is. We, you did it last week. Welcome, let's do it again. And he traveled with A.J. Brown. Even though A.J. Brown had 94 yards, it didn't feel like a dominant 94 yards. But the funny part about it, the funny part about the game is you saw Gilly, you know, creating fumbles. You saw Gilly tackling. You saw Gilly covering. And Gilly said after the game, I was mad. I was mad. Like, wait, if you you know Stephon Gilmore, very, very quiet dude, doesn't say much, not a, you know, doesn't yell, doesn't have a a loud voice. (laughs) And his thing was, I was mad because at some point in that game, he was called old by A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown said, you old. He probably have some other words added into that. But that ticked off Stephon Gilmore. Probably would make me mad, too, if somebody called me old. If one of these young boys called me old. It's true, I am old. But you ain't got to say it to me. You, you, don't, have to, you don't have to announce that in, in, while we're battling. But I love that for Stephon Gilmore to step up and, and, and do what he did. We had a Michael Gallup sighting. 
where I was at, people was like, oh, Michael Gallup, Jesse, you said this about my... I said, whoa, ladies and gentlemen, please do not try to come at me with the fact that Michael Gallup had three plays. Michael Gallup's been talked about a little bit roughly in, 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 these, in these media streets because Michael, Michael Gallup has been bad. Like, I, ain't, I ain't falsely accusing him of something that he didn't do. He's been, he's been cheeks. He's been gooch juice. He has been the bottom side of a sweaty, fat person's butt for the majority of the year. Now, granted, he had a good game. We'll take that. But don't come at me and say, you see, Judge, you was ready to pack Michael Gallup up. I'm still ready. To, uh, he's still packed up. Don't let him have a good game all of a sudden. See, that's what you, y'all, y'all would tell. Y'all want to start unpacking people. Oh, unpack, he texted me, unpack the bill. They packed up. I'm not unpacking the Bills. They packed up. I don't care if they won against the Chiefs. They should have lost if Kadarius Tony can line up on sides. They would have lost that game. Uh, but the Cowboys, man, th- this was this was a statement game. Um, they got out of this game primarily clean. Big Hank is in the middle. Left with a high ankle sprain, they're calling it. They're saying it's of the mild variety. Minor, not a not a real serious one. But anytime you're 300 plus pounds, and any part of you in your lower body is a little bit fragile, that's major. It ain't it ain't like a skinny old Cavante Turpin who's 155 pounds, 60 pounds. Not nah, big Hank, 330, 340, easy before lunch. <laughs> he 330 before lunch. He 350 after dinner. Easy, easy. 56 waist. Do they even make 56 pants in the store? I've never seen them. Maybe they have. Big and tall. Big and tall. Big and tall, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm not in that section. I'm, I'm, I'm tall. I'm just not in the big and tall section. I'm tall. I'm, I'm somewhere around 34, 36. I'm still, I'm cute in the face and slim in the waist. You know what I'm saying? I'm cute. I ain't going to say the third part because some of y'all might agree. Oh, let me tell you. I, I this is completely random. And I thought about this when I just said that, and I have a sweatsuit on. Someone said to me when we had Derek Hollins in, this is, this is going to be funny. When we had Derek Hollins in, and we took a picture, and we posted the picture and all that kind of stuff. So, someone tweets back. They go, dang, Jess, I see you with the, with the moose knuckle. And I looked at the picture, and my pants were, like, bundled up in the front, like in the crotch area, and it looked like a moose knuckle. I I want to I wanted to fight him, I, I wanted to fight, and if you're watching this and you said I had a moose knuckle, I want to fight you. I wanted to fight. I wanted. If someone says that to me in person, I'm gonna fight you. If you say I got a moose knuckle, come on, yo, that's foul. That's that's flagrant too. Y'all wilding. Y'all wilding for that man. Anyway, um. <laughs> Uh, Hankins uh, with the mild uh, high ankle sprain. Uh, you know, when he went out, Mozzie Smith came in. And oh, I know he's a rookie, and I don't want to – I don't want to attack him. I don't want to attack him. I want to be kind. But my patience is kind of drawn thin. Because there's one thing to be a rookie and to take on the rookie adjustments, right? Learning hand placement, hand fighting, getting better with all those type of things. I get it. 
But Mozzie Smith lines up, and he's probably the closest, he is the closest defender to the football than any of defender on the football field. Like, he's literally right next to the football. And he is the slowest off the ball. The ball is in the quarterback's hand from the snap, and the quarterback is pulling away from the center. Mozzie hasn't moved. I don't care how strong you are. If you're a second and a half late off the snap, you will get blocked every time. Every single time. If I'm coach, if I'm Dan Quinn, if I was Dan Quinn, I'm not, but if I was, Mozzie Smith would spend two hours, the entire practice, you would not engage with anyone else. You would do the stretch lines, and then after that, you would go to the side. And you would be one of, one of our assistant coaches. You would be with an intern, a GA, or whoever. And there's that, that, that device. It's, a, it's like a broomstick. And at the end of the broomstick, there's a football. And they usually work on that for get off. They just hold it down, and they just pull it back. And then you just Mozzie work on that for two hours every day. Until he got a jump. I don't, that, that's not technique. That's not rookie. That's not anything but just, maybe he's like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to say that he's like has a hearing issue or something or seeing issue or something. Cause I, I just don't understand how you're always that late off the football. And another thing that got me frustrated as well, when I watch Jake Ferguson do what he does, and I think once Peyton Hendershot kind of gets back, those two together, I, I just I, I bang my head on the table because I go, the Cowboys wasted a second-round pick on a tight end that they did not need. And I'm not, I'm not attacking Luke Schoolmaker. But when you see the way that Ferguson is playing, you're like, we could have just used that pick on just about anything else. Backup linemen. It could have been a. It could have been a DB. It could have been another receiver, a running back, um, guard, tackle, center, linebacker. I mean, anything, anything. We got to stay out of Michigan, stay out of Ann Arbor, because it just we just have not gotten the return that we rightfully deserve from Ann Arbor. Sorry, Derek Holland. Know that you're a big Michigan man. But we have not got the return that we've desired from Michigan. Taco, ugh. Mozzie, ugh. Luke, ugh. It's just not, Michigan is not Michigan in, in the NFL. Uh, if not for the Cowboys. It's just not happening. And so, those two guys, I just, I, I just scratch my head sometimes. But the Cowboys did what they needed to do, dominated the Philadelphia Eagles. I love it. Now the Cowboys, it flips, right? It flips now because Philadelphia had to go through that gauntlet, right? The Niners, the Cowboys, Buffalo, the Chiefs, they had to go through the gauntlet. And the Cowboys kind of had the cakewalk. They had New York twice. They had the, car, uh, the, the Panthers in there. Washington in there, and then they got to Philly. Well, now it flips. 
Now it's it's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. They have, and this is going to be key, they have now the, the weakest remaining schedule. They have the Seahawks on a Monday night game on the 18th. They have the Giants twice on the 25th on Christmas and then on January 7th. And then they have the Cardinals, all winnable games for the Eagles. If they lose any of these games, I will be shocked and I will be out of a steak dinner. I bet Tay a steak dinner that they they won't drop any of these games. He thinks they're going to drop at least one. I doubt it. And the Cowboys, on the other hand, they're in they're in their husky part of the schedule. Um, they get cold and they get thawed off. <laughs> they got to go to Buffalo. They got to go to Miami, and then they get a chance on January thirtieth to play the Detroit Lions. For those of you that don't know, on the January 3rd for Detroit Lions at home, that will be the Ring of Honor ceremony for three, uh, two-time Super Bowl champion uh, coach Jimmy Johnson. Then they end with Philadelphia with uh, with Washington. So if Philadelphia could lose one of those games to the Giants, Cowboys can find themselves with at least one home game by winning the division. I don't think the Eagles will fall off. I think I think the Seahawks, uh, they won't have Geno Smith with the groin injury. And then the Giants are so bad. And some of them, you know, I mean, I, I don't think the only people that believe in Tommy DeVito outside of the DeVito family is Tay. That's it. I don't believe. I don't believe in the DeVito family. I, I, say that, I don't know the family. I don't believe in Tommy DeVito as beating the Philadelphia Eagles. I just don't. That offensive line is so bad. They don't have any weapons. It's going to be bad. Uh, and the same thing with Colin Murray. That Week 17 game, though, could be a pack-it-up pack game where like, no one's really competing, right? It's still the Giants. It's still the Giants. But they will be competing because this loss to the Cowboys, this loss that the Cowboys would have to lose another game. This loss to the Cowboys makes sure that they have to compete now to the end to make sure that they maintain because if they lose to the Giants, that, that's their second divisional loss which means that the Cowboys would win the division. So they'll be playing all the way through. They'll be playing all the way through. Uh, but again, the Cowboys win. They defeat the Philadelphia Eagles 33-13. to What a whooping. What a whooping. The only Gilly we acknowledge is Stephon Gilmore. We don't acknowledge Philly rapper Gilly the Kid, right? No, we don't acknowledge you, Gilly. Only the Gilly we acknowledge is, is Stephon Gilmore. All right, man, let's move around. Let's get around to the uh, uh, to sports. Shohei Otani. If you've been living under a rock uh, and you just peeked your head out, you just found out that the largest contract in sports history, in any sport, spanning across North America, the world. Is it soccer? Soccer might have some. He beat Messi. In the world. <laughs> in the world. I think if I, this is this is my squirrel moment. If somehow, some way, Tiger decides he wants to take the money, the live golf deal, the live golf deal I think Tiger can get a billy. I think Tiger could really now Tiger is already a billionaire. He's one of the few athletes that are billionaires. But I think if Tiger wanted to take, what they call it, the blood money? The, they want to take the blood money, which antibacterial soap washes that off your hands. 
a billion dollars. I'm going to get all the best antibacterial soap I can. I know that doesn't physically mean blood money. But if Tiger decides to come out of that cocoon and says, you know what, live golf tour, give me the billy. I think Tiger, I think, did, ask yourself the question. Is there any other athlete on the planet currently that can top this deal? $700 million. Shohei Otani got, by the way, from the Los Angeles. He stayed in L.A. He goes from the Angels to the Dodgers. I don't know what highway that is, uh, but he's on that highway. Is it the 1? The 5? The 501? I forget what they call it, the freeway series. Oh. Yeah. So up, up one of those freeways. <laughs> but Shohei Otani signs a lucrative deal, $700 million, 10-year $700 million deal. Now, here's where it gets rather interesting. We broke. Understand that. That's not the interesting part. The interesting part is how this deal is going to be constructed. He's going to get his 700 for sure. That's coming. But what the Dodgers and Shohei have agreed upon is that they're going to be deferring. That means pushing along. That means the back end. That means later on. They're going to be they're going to be deferring $68 million per year of his contract. Meaning he will only make $200 million per year. And you say, why is this significant? Well, remember, they already have Freddie Freeman. They already have Mookie Betts, who they pay a lot of money annually to. But what it also does is it also gives them cash availability to go sign more players. And what they've said that they're going to take the remaining total of the $680 million that is left will be deferred to 2034. And from 2034 to 2043 is when that $680 million will be paid to Shohei Otani. Now, I don't know. It doesn't say within that time frame how. I don't know if they're going to break it down per year or they're going to do more on the back end. And however, they may, I'm, I'm assuming that when they get to that point, TV deals, some streaming deals, um, they would have won one or two maybe World Series and maybe they this they may just break it down per year. They may say, hey, we need some more money. We're still in a dynasty type mode, and we, we got a good team that we can build upon. Let's let's give you a little bit this year and push more of that back to the back end. I don't know how that's gonna do that, but he'll get that $680 million in a 10-year breakdown starting in 2034. Kind of like the Bobby Bonilla situation. Bobby's still getting paid, still getting bread. And some of you may say, well, $2 million a year, Jess, that ain't really enough to live on for Shohei Otani, especially not in L.A. Well, the deferral, was Otani's, the deferral was Otani's idea. A source close to the situation said, motivated largely by the thought of helping the Dodgers sign other players and made easy for the massive off-the-field earnings. Shohei is reportedly believed to make an upwards of $45 million annually through endorsements, 
and other things, a source says, making him by far the most marketable player in Major League Baseball. The Dodgers, the, I'm sorry, the Angels were believed to make more than $20 million annually when he was with the Angels. So he's making double in endorsements from his time with the Angels that he'll be making now with the Dodgers. So $2 million per year, but he'll make close to $50 million in endorsements annually from all the things that he, he is. He is a world superstar. He is a star. They'll, they'll probably do some TV contracts with, with, with the China, Asia, China, Japan. Japan, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't, please, don't, don't, don't. I want no smoke with the foreign countries. I'm, I'm, I'm chilling. Let me move away from that before I say something I'm, I'm not supposed to say. The first game is in South Korea. The, ah, first game is in South Korea. That's smart. I was thinking that to my head, like, why doesn't baseball do more of, like, kind of like the NFL does? Like, hey, play some games over in Germany. Play some games over in London. Play some games in Mexico City. Play some games all over to kind of get that out there. So, that's that's perfect. That's gonna be that's gonna be. They might have to build a bigger stadium to really fit in the people. That's gonna be a massive game. It's gonna be a massive game. So, uh, Shohei deal is done. He is a Dodger, and um, so that means he'll be coming to Globe Life. How many times a year? A couple. Texas goes there this year. Ah, well, no Shohei in Texas. Maybe. I don't know. If, I don't know if they got seven hundred million dollars just laying around. And no, I meant the Angels came to. The oh yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you meant like, hey, could have been a could have been a Ranger. They're like, wait, oh, no, no. like seven hundred million. I don't know if they. <laughs> no, they just won the World Series. They ain't that damn good. They ain't got that much money over there. But, um, yeah, Shohei, uh, done deal. Seven hundred million dollars. That just every time I say it, it makes me realize just how broke I really am. 700 million to play baseball. Almost a billion dollars to play a child's game. If you're listening to this, son, put down the basketball, put down the football. If you have sons, if you have children, they should be, no, play everything. But everyone's not going to be Shohei. This is one, this is a one in a lifetime type generational talent, but $700 million, man. That's an incredible, incredible amount of money. Uh, they haven't signed the deal just yet, but it's it's imminent. It's it's happening. It's it's going to be a done deal very very soon. I think they're working on all the logistics. And my question is also, how do the other owners feel about that? They have to remove uh, two guys from the forty men and they trade today. Okay, well that's the, the, there you go. The trade happens. So, but how do the other owners feel about that? Because you. You already have – you've now added a competitive advantage by having a guy as good as the two-time unanimous MVP. And then you freed up some bread to go get more guys. That's going to be – like that has to, that, that, that has to piss a couple owners off. There has to be a couple owners, especially the small market teams who just don't have that kind of bread to even compete like that and go like, damn, you – they got their cake and they eating it too. Like the rich is getting richer. Y'all gonna let this guy defer this money to the end of his contract, basically, and then allow the Dodgers to add more pieces? You already got Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, and Shohei have all won MVPs. At, at some point, so you got three MVPs on your team. And multiple. They've won 
They won multiple MVPs. So you got you got three players who have won multiple MVPs on your team. And looking because of the 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 idea from Shohei to defer the money, looking to bring more. I know the Yankees pissed. I know the Cashmans and 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 the, the Steinbrenners of the world. They pissed. They pissed. They like they beat us to it. They beat up. They beat us to 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 the gymnastics of the money. That's what they did. They 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 flipped the money. This this got to be like a Rico case, right? Everything's a Rico case. This got to be Rico. This got to be Rico. This got to be Rico. If it was in Atlanta, they had you in the court pull up on Rico charges. And then y'all be saying the Dodgers stand for something else, like Young Thug. Y'all be saying the Dodgers would be his The Dodgers doesn't. <laughs> what does the Dodgers stand for? It means doing others dirty, grimy, egregious, uh, retaliatorial, I don't know, whatever. Uh, yeah, Shohei signed, a, signed mad money. He's, he's rich. He's super rich. All right, the Lakers, keep it in L.A. The Lakers won the in-season tournament, which awarded them, each player, 500 k Now, Shohei's paying that in taxes. But each player from the Lakers on their active roster, 500 k the, uh, the, 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 the first inaugural um, in-season tournament, They said that they're going to hang a banner. And I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted because I know how hard it is to win anything. A game, a series, now a tournament. And I, I, I am one that always wants to celebrate victories. Because they are hard to come by. And winning is fun. Like when you win, you play in a church league. I want to win. And when you win in a church league and all you get is a photograph and a t-shirt, you feel greater. Like that makes you feel. If some of you are watching this and are in a bowling league or in a softball league or in a bingo league or, or whatever, or, 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 um, cornhole, horseshoes. When you win that tournament, it feels good. And it might be fantasy football. It might be just you and a couple of your other homies. But when you win, there's this euphoria that comes with saying that I am victorious. I achieve the greatest achievement that can be achieved in this moment. So part of me is like, no, you played the in-season tournament. There was a trophy. There was a prize. There was a beginning and an end to it, and you won it. Celebrate champagne bottles, goggles, all that kind of stuff. Then you go hanging the banners. I'm like, oh. Because I think about the Lakers, and I'm like, this is the Lakers. And maybe I feel differently if Indiana won it. Because you're like, well, Indiana, you don't have a history of actually winning Championships. Maybe I feel different if the Pelicans won it or the Blazers won it. But when I think about the Lakers winning it and I, I, I don't know, in my brain when I hear hang banners, I'm thinking, you're the Lakers. This, your standard should be different. This is just me and I could be wrong. 
But I think about you're the you're the Lakers. If it was the Celtics, if it was the Spurs, if it was the 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 the, uh, the Warriors, I go. Your franchise have kind of been rich on actual championships. So to hang this in-season thing where we didn't kind of know what it was, how it was, who was playing, that to me, you know, put it on the elevator doors. (laughs) You know, get a wrap. Put on the elevator doors. On the entrance. You know what I'm saying? Um, Put it on the flagpoles leading up to your stadium. But when you say that you're the Lakers and you're like, we're going to hang an in-season tournament banner, you mean next to the championships that Kobe and them got? You mean next to the championship banner that, that, that Showtime and them got? Ugh. That doesn't sit. I'm sorry. That doesn't sit well with me. And again, I, 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 could be, I could be wrong. I could be off. But it just doesn't sit well with me when I think about historically who the Los Angeles Lakers are. If it was, and I think for like, even like LeBron, as the leader of this team, and I I don't, I don't know he calls all the shots in the franchise. He calls some shots in the franchise. Does he go, nah, we good. We don't hang those banners. Like those are, you know, we make coffee mugs and we, we do stuff like that. We'll, we'll put the trophy. Like that, tro- to me, that trophy can't go with the other Larry O'Brien's. That can't go in the same trophy case. When I was younger, my grandmother, she had, if, if your grandmother, if you, if you had a grandmother growing up, like a real grandmother, not these new age grandmas and they want to be called glamas and GGs and all that. Nah, you had a grandma. They had china closets. Right? Where the good dishes were. But also in the China closet, they sometimes stored trophies or ribbons or 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 or, or what is it, the, the medals. Everything didn't get the chance to go in that China closet. The good China went in there that only came out when 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 really, really important company came, Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner. Other than that, you, you go get the other dishes. In fact, get the paper plates. So I look at the in-season tournament and I go, that can't go with, was it 17? 16, 17 championships that the Lakers have? 18 championships? That can't go with them. It's like, yeah, I know they're the same color, but they don't have the same meaning. They don't, they don't, they don't the, the, the gravitas ain't the same. So when I hear that they're, you know, they get, I grant they won 500K for LeBron James, 1% of his, uh, uh, like, of his salary. 1%. Like, don't get me wrong now. 500K is 500K. I don't care how rich you are. You get an extra 500K that you didn't, that you didn't bank on getting, you'll take it. You know, some guys like, hey, I'm going to do some vacationing. I'm going to do some this. I'm going to do some that. Some of them going, some of them. Some of y'all going to trick. Some of y'all going to trick. Some of y'all going to spend that money on one of them IG models. I know it. But when I, I, I just when I hear about the trophies, that part 
bothers me just a little bit when it's that franchise. But congrats uh, to the Lakers and and, and their in-season tournament, the inaugural in-season tournament uh, winnings. MVP, moving to the NFL. MVP, let me me pull the MVP odds up. Let me pull the MVP uh, odds up right now to make sure that we got this thing. MVP race in the National Football League. Bear with me. All right, here we go. So the MVP race looks like right now with the Cowboys having a dominating victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is from Caesars Sportsbook. Should we say them? They they don't, but it's from Caesars. It's it's incredible. And this this came out uh, today. I'm on Vegas uh, Insider right now, too. Okay. So right now they have Dak Prescott. As the favorite. Plus 150? They have plus 350. Maybe, you know, let me make sure this is... Let me make sure. Hold on. Let me see here. I mean, let me try another one to get the... All right, let me see here. All right. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, here we go. We got Dak Prescott plus 150 odds. You'll be shocked and amazed to who they have number two. And I don't know if I buy this. Even though I think his team is by far the best team in the National Football League. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is number two in the MVP race. Wow. At plus 200, Lamar Jackson, who's quietly as kept, who Tay hates. I'm going to say that out now. You can't say nothing because it's my show. Tay hates Lamar. No, he hates the Ravens. He don't get the Ravens no credit. He don't give Ravens no credit. He'll he he's not he packed he's packed the Ravens up. Tay has packed the Ravens up. Don't let him lie to y'all. He has packed the Ravens up. And I'm like, wait a second, man. He's like, oh, can't pass. Don't have no receiver. I'm like, wait. Lamar Jackson is number three. Jalen Hurts, who a while ago was up at the top, down to number four. Tua Tungavaloa. Number five, Tyreek Hill, six, Patrick Mahomes, seven, Josh Allen, eight, Trevor Lawrence, nine, Christian McCaffrey, ten. But the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys right now is your favorite. Football's fluid. It moves up and down. But I I, I will agree that Dak Prescott is playing the breast. I can't. I always say that. The best, not the breast. He ain't playing like titties. He's playing the best brand of football at the quarterback position right now. Now, a part of me, this is my heart of hearts. It's, it's, it's who I am. I would love to see Dak Prescott win the award. I would. And I hate that they call it the MVP. They should just call it the most valuable quarterback. Because it's who the award goes to every single year, to a quarterback. But Ty, if Tyreek Hill gets to a point where he breaks the single-season record, and right now he's on pace to do it in 16 games. And then add on later on, if Tyreek Hill can break the single-season record and he does it in 16 games, he's got to do it in 16, though. 16. If he does it in 16 That's that's and, and the reason why I say that because even though Dak Prescott is playing a great brand of football, 
this year is probably one of the, the few years where the quarterback position just hasn't been dominated by a player that's like, oh, he has 55, he's on pace to have 5,500 yards, 6,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, 55. Like, it, there is no quarterback that's doing that. You know, guys are around 3,500, maybe close to 4,000. Dak Prescott, I think, Dak, either Dak or, or Josh Allen lead the league in interceptions, like 27, 28, four games remaining. Nobody's getting to 50. So it isn't this like, you know, remember when Peyton Manning, they were like him and Drew Brees were battling back and forth. They had 50 touchdowns, 50, whatever. It was an insane number. Tom Brady had 50. Like that, when a quarterback is doing that, like head and heels above the rest, I'm like, all right, I get it. Okay, they are the most important piece. But this year's quarterback play, while it's been good in certain areas, it's not, it's not wow. It's not eye-popping. It's not like, oh, my God, he's doing the unthinkable. He has 50 touchdowns. He has 5,500 yards. I think if Tyreek Hill in 16 games can get and break the record at, of 2,000 receiving yards in a season, that to me is, oh, my God. We've never, we've never seen this before. Like, no quarterback is doing anything this year that we've never seen before. So, to me, I'm like, ugh. If Tyreek can do something we've never seen before in all of the years of the National Football League, I think that has to hold enough weight to go. But, but the NFL as a whole, it's a quarterback-driven league. They are the faces of the league. So giving the most prestigious award of the league to someone who's not one of the faces of the league is kind of like a little bit of a hustling backwards. They want to continue to keep promoting the quarterback. It's great for the networks. It's great for the brand. It's great for just the selling of the National Football League. But I think, I, I think Tyreek Hill, if he can do it in 16 games, deserves the mantle of saying, I, 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 I did something so historical. Not Randy, not Jerry, not Michael, not Andre Reid, not you name you name the great Larry Fitzgerald, you name Megatron, heavy breaking Megatron's record. Not any of those guys have done this. I think that deserves the ability to say, I am the MVP of the league. But we'll see. Right now, Dak Prescott, rightfully so, is your leader. Football's fluid. Now, if he goes up to Buffalo and lays a stinker, you can see those things flip-flop back and forth for the rest of the year. But right now, he is the leader of the clubhouse. And we're going to end on this. A little spicy. You guys know I like spicy. I like a little negativity, a little violence. We don't condone violence on this show. We understand it. And um, Stephen A. had some very, very, very choice words for one Zion Williamson. I, I, I mean, these choice words that Stephen A. had for Zion Williamson and when I say when I say violence, I mean on sight, Zion might have to snuff Stephen A. 
when, when Zion sees Stephen A. Smith, he need, to send a, he need to send a text to Stephen A. Smith and say, when you see me, as the young people say, no cap, on God, on, on, on hood and them, or whatever they saying nowadays. Zion got to send a text to Stephen A. and say, when you see me, just put your hands up. Not like this. Like this. Because what you said about me on national TV, I got to snuff you. Let me be clear. Unfiltered with Jesse Holly does not condone violence. We just understand it. And sometimes, even when it's true, even when it's true, you got to check people every now and again. Because I can't just let you be out here saying what you want to me, how you want to say it about me. We get a little bit too, we, we, get, a, <laughs> we get a little bit too flippant at the mouth with just saying anything about folks. And there has to be at some point in time a little bit of level of repercussions for you just feeling like it's okay to spew whatever you want in my name. What do you say for the people that didn't hear? I'm, oh, no, I'm going to get to it. This is, this is called I'm building up. I'm building up. So they listening and I'm like, well, what did he say? What did he say? Jesse, damn, get to, what did he say? I'm getting to it. You, y'all and Tay both trying to rush me. Let me get to this first. Let me, let me work through this. This is, this is how you build up a crescendo. This is when Michael Jackson came out on stage and he, he just stood there and he said, just let it simmer. I'm letting it simmer. I'm going to get to what Stephen A said. Don't worry. Don't you, don't you fret. I'm going to get to what Stephen A said. But let me reiterate, this show does not condone violence at all. This show does not condone violence at all. We just understand it. We understand that sometimes it's just necessary. Sometimes you got to knock spit out of somebody's mouth. Sometimes you got to knock taste off out of somebody. Sometimes you got to knock somebody's head off their shoulders. We understand it. But what I'm getting at and why Zion should send the text to Stephen A. Smith and say to him, it's smoke, wherever, it's smoke in the city. There will be some furniture moving and I am going to try to bust you to the white meat when I see you. During a live broadcast and on his weekly show, the number one sports talk show in the country, might I add, that's making it even worse. A lot of people watch it. Zion has historically been a big boned. I'm going to say big boned. Husky. Thick. But Zion has really, really, really shown himself to be a dude who doesn't take conditioning, nutrition, working out, health, wellness, and fitness serious. 
He's had a rash of injuries. He's had more games on the sideline than he's actually played. And even this season, he's looking thick. His trainer even came out and kind of was like, I guess they're they not on the same page no more. And he has some things. But what, what Stephen said that I think Zion got to see him about is he called Zion fat, said he had a gut on national TV. But then he went even more deeper into it. And I quote, Stephen A. said, I'm not exaggerating. I'm quoting people. He said he's known some chefs, some folks in New Orleans who have restaurants. He said, you got chefs in New Orleans who love him. They looking for him, him being Zion. Every chef there wants to meet Zion. Well, why do they want to meet Zion? Are they Pelican fans? NBA fans? No. Stephen A. goes on to say, the word out is Zion Williamson, on Zion Williamson, is that he'll eat the table. You gotta, I got to snuff him. Stephen A. said the word out of New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans, the word out of the boot, Louisiana, the word circling, and they do have some delicious food in Louisiana. God, love, I love me some New Orleans. Boudin, alligator, I don't even need the sweets. Give me the, just to give me the good food. But Stephen A. is saying the word on the street is that the chefs is looking for Zion. That's foul. <laughs> the chefs are looking for Zion? They want to meet him? They saying if you're tricking on them strippers and them porn stars, come eat. Bring them too. They, they are looking for him. Every chef there wants to meet him. The word out on Zion is that he'll eat the table. There's no way you don't snuff Stephen A when you see him. We don't condone violence, we just understand it. He said that on national TV. If I'm Zion, I'm sick. But I said this when the New Orleans Pelicans drafted him out of that school in Durham. I said, Zion, if I was him, because he was thick and kind, he was just a, he's been a big boned dude forever from South Carolina. You just knew. You can look at Zion and look at, like, look at his butt. Like, he had a big old, big old bubble butt, just thick. Pause. No offense to anybody. But you just knew, like, this dude going to get fat if he don't get right. I said when they drafted Zion, I'll find the tweets and I'll put it up. The first thing I would do if I was Zion Williamson is when the commissioner handed me my jersey and I put on my hat and I took the pictures and I did my interview with whoever was there. When I got back to the green room and I did what I, we're on our way to the bus or to the car to head on the plane to get to that team to do my press run the next day. I would have been on the phone with LeBron James. Hey, LeBron, how you doing? This is Zion Williamson, man. Oh, yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Congratulations. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Um, what I want to know is, who is your chef? 
Who's your nutritionist? Who's your trainer? And when can I come work out with you? Because you think about LeBron, who is 36 years old, 21 years in the league, and he's still doing what he's doing. He spends a million dollars a year in health and fitness on his body. Zion seems to be spending a million dollars a year at the buffets. Don't snuff me when you see me, Zion. I'm a little younger than Stephen A. I'm a little younger than Stephen A. These still legit. We don't condone violence on this show. We understand it, though. But I said that Zion needed to call LeBron James, and he needed to figure out a way to work on his body. And it doesn't seem like he has figured that out. You even heard Shaq talk about Zion Williamson, Zion Williamson during the in-season uh, portion of it when they were playing. And he's saying, you know what? Zion don't even run hard. Like, he don't even run hard enough. He don't, even, he don't get buckets just for being physically more gifted than anybody. Like, he, he doesn't even use the advantages that he has to be a better player. And I get sometimes it's, you know, rookies and young people and all that kind of stuff. But when you have the resources and the finances, there should be no excuse. You can have a trainer, a nutritionist on staff with you, following you everywhere you go. One of the things that I will applaud LeBron James for is his, the way that he is sold out on getting his body and keeping his body in tip-top condition. Eating right, living right, doing things right. I remember seeing LeBron James at a summer league game in Vegas. LeBron James. LeBron James. Summertime. Offseason. In Vegas. At the Thomas and Mack Center. If LeBron gets a little hungry, hey, can you run to the set stand and get me a glizzy? Can you run and get me some nachos? Can you get me something, pizza? I watched LeBron James going to his little satchel. Remember, summertime, off-season, Vegas, summer league. I watched him go into his satchel and pull out a Ziploc bag of assorted mix, uh, 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 trail mix, peanuts, almonds, raisins. I said, that was packed. That wasn't, that, they ain't stop at 7-Eleven and get that. That was a conscience decision. That when we leave the house, I'm focused on eating right in the summertime, in the offseason that I'm going to have in my satchel, my man purse, a Ziploc bag, a trail mix. Because I don't want to eat the nachos. I don't want to have the glizzy. I don't want the pizza, the pretzel. Zion needs to have that mentality. So after he snuffs Stephen A for telling the truth, because he is, he's thick. And you are cutting gears off of your what, 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 should, what should be a prolific and, and promising NBA career. You are cutting gears off of that because you're undisciplined, because you lack the ability to do something as simple if, if all is true and that money that you were sending to that young lady that was on the internet talking about you, 25000 10000 and that's probably true. 
Cause I, I I know I know how when Joker's in the lead they trick. I ain't telling those stories that y'all don't already know. Then you need to put that same energy and effort into having somebody on staff pay them fifty grand a year, sixty grand a year. That wherever you go, they go. And you working out in the morning, maybe twice a day. You, you go on vacation, please go on vacation. Take them with you. You have the finances to do so. I'm sure if you really twisted the arm of the Pelicans, like, y'all want me to get in shape? Send somebody. They would foot the bill for you. But Stephen A is right, man. You do have a gut. You are big. And you are wasting away the years of talent that God has given you because you lack the ability to just simply work out and watch what you eat. I know you're watching what you eat. I know you're watching what you eat. From the fork to your mouth, you watching what you eat. But what's on the fork, you're not really watching what's on there. So I get it. I think Stephen A is 100% correct. But certain things you just can't be saying on national TV. So I understand if Zion see him at the award show, Zion catch him in Vegas. Sometimes you got to press these jokers. But Zion, get yourself in the gym, bro, brother. All right, man, that's it for me. Thank you guys for another episode of Unfiltered. If y'all see me in the street, holla at me. If you think you're going to snuff me in the street, that is not happening. I still can get down, but we don't condone violence on this show at all. But when you see, say holler at me. When you see me and you trying to say what's up, ski, holla at your boy, man. But do so. Like, subscribe, hit the notification button, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, clips page, at Mr. Fourth Along. Follow us from uh, Fanatic Views. Do everything that you can to get a part of this. If you're a business and you want your name on this, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You want to holler at me a little? That's the money sound. Johnny Manziel. Holler at us, man. We open for business. We outside and we open for business. Thank you all, man. I appreciate you. God bless you. Remember... Take back what's yours. Also remember, never let anyone tell you that their lives are better than yours because it is your life. Let's get taking back what we lost. Let's go get it. And remember, eliminate the contingencies. I'm out.